Last week, I began a little series on the names of God, the different names of God. And I started with El Shad. Shad means one. El means God. And there's many other names that go with El, and we're going to get to more than one this week, I promise. We're going to get to a number of them this week. But last week, El Shad, one God. There is only one true God. Amen? He is God, and He deserves all of our worship, our praise, our honor, our glory. He deserves our reverence. He deserves that we humble ourselves before Him. There is no other God but the one true God, the true in God. But this week, we're going to, sorry, the title's already up there, Elohim, Elohim. So as we continue this, I'm going to go to the beginning of the book, Genesis chapter 1. So before I begin, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do acknowledge that you are God and there is none like you. Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, the express image of your love. Father, we just thank you that your love was so great that you allowed him to come to this earth, into the flesh, to live a perfect life, and to die for our sins, for my sins and the sins of the entire world. Father, that all who will believe on him shall be saved from their sins. Father, we thank you, Father. It's just it's an amazing thing. What a great mystery but it reveals your love. Father, we thank you for that. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit and pray your Spirit's present in this place today. Father, that you would just touch our hearts and our minds, Lord, that our hearts would be pure and open to what you have for us. I pray that every word spoken, Father, would bring glory and honor to you and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 1, verses 1 through 28, and you say, wow, that's a long reading. But many of those are short verses, so it's really not as long as it may appear. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, I believe it does us good to go back here once in a while and just look at the beginning, what God did, how awesome He is. The earth was without form, and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. That's important. That was the first day, first day in time. Then God said, Let there be a firmament between the mists of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called the seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit trees that yield fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and a tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. I'm going to pause once again. 
You all remember the story where Jonah went to Nineveh and of course then he went up on the hillside and he wanted to see God destroy them. And God caused the tree to rise up, didn't he? To provide shade for Jonah in one day. So don't think when God created the herbs and the grass and the trees and all that, that it took a long time because the evening and the morning were the third day. He did it in a day. God can do the impossible. God can raise up a tree in a day. It doesn't take months or years. Now we plant seed and we've got to wait months for that seed to produce a harvest. But God can do it in a day because He is God. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abound according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. Again, pause. God blessed them saying, God is speaking to the creatures He just created. God told the animals to be fruitful and multiply. God, you think you've heard people called horse whisperers or dog whisperers? Well, God can speak to them all. He can speak to the fish and the birds. He knows their language. He created them. You never thought of that, have you? Well, maybe you have. <laughs> so the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us, plural, let us, the Son was with Him in creation, and the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, as He said to the animals, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And may God add His blessings to the hearing and the reading of His holy word. My friends, God said, Be fruitful and multiply. He didn't say destroy. He didn't say abort babies. He said be fruitful and multiply. And that's from God because God is for life and not death. When you look at the Strong's 
concordance, the Hebrew word for beginning is re-shif, meaning first in place, first in time, first day. Beginning. So in the first, in the very beginning, the first place in time. Of course, that word is followed in the beginning. God. God created. Elohim. Of course, you're going to guess what Elohim. We know El means God. So with what I just read to you, does anyone take a wild guess what Him means? Creator. 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 Mighty. Strong. It's the plural plural form of Olea, which accommodates the doctrine of the Trinity. So from the very first sentence of the Bible, it speaks of the superiority of God's nature, speaks of His power, the evidence that He can speak things into existence. He said, let there be light. And there was light. Think about it. The earth, it says, was void, formless. It was empty. It was without shape. There really was nothing. That's the glorious part of who and what Elohim means. The Creator God created something out of nothing. That's hard for the human mind to comprehend, isn't it? Think about it. One minute there was nothing. Complete emptiness. Void. And God spoke and there was something. When God speaks, things happen. Right? There used to be an old commercial. When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. Well, when God speaks, things happen. Things are created. That's the power of God. There's no greater power in the universe than the power of God who can make something from nothing. The stars were not that God spoke, and they were. There was darkness. God spoke. There was light. His creative, creativeness did not end after the six days. I truly believe that. God has often made something from nothing. God sent manna down. It just come down out of the heavens and landed there on the desert floor. He made something out of nothing. He could fill empty vessels with oil. Water from a rock. Yes. You know, an artist today, an artist can be creative. They can paint a masterpiece, but they have to begin with a canvas and some paint and some paintbrushes. And they might create a masterpiece. A sculptor, he can create a masterpiece also. But he has to begin with a piece of stone and some chisels and hammers and use his creative image. Now, of course, we're not supposed to make graven images, right? But he can create something. But he has to start with something. We can't speak things into existence. But my friends, be careful that we never underestimate the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18.21 tells us, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. My friends, speak life. Don't speak death. Speak wellness. Don't speak unhealthiness. 
speak life from our tongues upon ourselves and upon our families. 1 Peter 3.10 For he who loves life and sees good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. I'm sure we all remember as, well maybe not all of us if we're old enough, as young children, remember the old saying, the old song, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That is a lie. That is a lie. My friends, words can't hurt. You know, we might break a bone and Zoe is going to heal in a couple, about eight weeks, right? That bone's going to heal. Now, you know, it might be sore a little bit once in a while. But that name, that, or that word spoken can, that can destroy, it can destroy one's self-esteem. It can tear a person down that they'll never recover from it emotionally. So that is a big fat lie. Words can do a lot of harm. And brothers and sisters, we as Christians should not be the ones speaking those harmful words. I'm glad I see heads nodding. We should not be the ones speaking those harmful words. And we should never underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit working through us through the words we speak. In Acts chapter 9, verses 32-34, Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydia. There he found a certain man, Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years and was paralyzed. Now when someone is paralyzed, whether he's paralyzed from the waist down, chest down, wherever, what's going to happen to those legs? They're going to wither away. They're going to be flesh and bone. No muscle mass left whatsoever. And Peter... Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. Immediately he spoke and those legs were restored. Peter did not touch him. The word says he said to him, Arise, Jesus heals you. There's power through the Holy Spirit working through us in the words that we speak. If Peter had allowed what he saw with his eyes to affect his emotions without faith, he wouldn't have done anything. He just went, on, look at that poor soul. He's been in this condition for so long. But he had the faith in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit working in him. Moving on to the next L. El Shaddai. El Shaddai. Shaddai means Almighty. So God Almighty, the Mighty One of Jacob. This name reveals God's ultimate power over all things, all beings. Genesis 49, 22 through 25. Joseph, Joseph is a faithful bow, a fruitful bow by well. His branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. But his bow remained in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is a shepherd, the stone of Israel, by the God of your father who will help you, and by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven, with the heavens above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breast of the womb. Almighty, the mighty God of Jacob, 
We know that God, we've heard Him described as omnipotent. Omni means all, and potent means power. All power. God Almighty, El Shaddai. El Elyon means most high. Elyon means most high. It's derived from the Hebrew word for go up, ascend. So the implication is that He is that which is the very highest. The very highest. It's the exaltation of God. Go up, the most high. He is the most high God. El El Lam means everlasting. El Lam means everlasting. So He is the everlasting God. Psalms 90, verses 1 and 2 says, Lord, You have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever You had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, You are God. From everlasting before and everlasting to no end, He is God. He is El Elohim, everlasting God. God's nature is without beginning or end, free from all constraint of time. He contains within Himself the very cause of time itself. He is the beginning of time. Told you I will move through these. Next is El Roy. Again, El is God. And Roy is sight, seeing. <clears throat> so it is the God of seeing. He sees. This is a name that was ascribed to God by Hagar. Hagar was alone. She was desperate. She was in the wilderness. She was driven out by Sarah. Sarah. Abraham and Sarah was without child. You know that story. Sarah was barren and they prayed and God said, I will bless you and make you a great nation. But Sarah thought, well, this is taking a whole lot longer than I planned. I'm paraphrasing this. This is Ronnie's version. This is taking a whole lot longer than I thought it would take. So she takes matters into her own hands. She had a maidservant named Hagar. Well, maybe God's going to bless me through her. Abraham, take my maid and go into her. Maybe she will bear a child for me. She conceived. Of course, then she was a little bit prideful that she became pregnant and Sarah, her mother, hadn't. Her master hadn't. So she got tired of this, Sarah did. So let's pick up in Genesis 16. Then Sarah said to Abraham, My wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and you. So Abraham said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said to Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from, and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress, and submit yourself under her hand. The angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly, 
so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son. And you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. And he shall be a wild man, and his hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And I'm not going to dwell on that because we're focusing on God, right? And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, Have I also here seen him who sees me? My friends, God sees your every struggle. You could be a single mom struggling to support her family, to raise her children. God sees you. You could be that empty nester struggling with, what are we going to do now if the kids have gone? God sees you. You may be in an abusive relationship. Your drunken husband comes home and he's beat you one more time. And he's mean to the kids. You might be struggling what to do. God sees you. He sees you. He knows where you are. And He can give you the strength to get through what you're going through. He saw Hagar out in the wilderness, despairing of what to do. What am I going to do now? I'm with child. He saw her. He cared for her. He loved her. He blessed her. My friends, Jesus saw Peter struggling with his emotions. Peter denied Jesus three times as he was standing in trial. He denied knowing him. He's standing out there by the fire and he said, you're one of him. I do not know what you're talking about. Three times. The Lord told him, you will deny me. Three times before the rooster crows. And sure enough, he did. Then after the resurrection, Peter's struggling with that. Do I really have the faith to serve Jesus? Do I really have the faith to serve my Master? He's struggling with that. And Jesus saw it. He saw what He was dealing with. And in John chapter 21, Jesus helped strengthen Peter's faith. Verses 15 through 19. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish to go. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he spoke, had spoken this, he said to him, Follow me. Remember, Peter denied him three times. So Jesus asked him three times, Do you love me? Each time he says, Yes, Lord, I, you know that I love you. But the most important thing in this is that he's showing Peter, You may have denied me back here, 
Yes, you denied even knowing me. Did not want to be accounted as one who followed me. But now I know your heart. We were talking a lot about heart this morning. I know your heart. And I know that now, by the power of the Holy Spirit in you, I know that your faith is strong enough that you are going to die for me. That's what Jesus told him. He saw what he was struggling with. He saw his emotions and he says, you will die for me. They will take you by the hand. They'll gird you and take you away and they're going to crucify you as they crucified me. I know that your faith is that strong now. Is what Jesus is saying to Peter. So you see, he sees. He sees where we are. He sees where our struggles are, our emotions are. He knows what you are dealing with. And He is God Almighty. We'll go back to that, right? And He can do all things. He can bring you through it. He loves you. He cares for you. He knows what we are, but He still loves us. He still loves us and cares for us. Take your cares to Him because He cares for you. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. If you're struggling with whatever, a relational issue, emotional issue, struggling with the things going on in the world, take them to Him. Take them to Him. Help Him to allow Him to lift that burden. What does He say? Come alongside me. And He'll take that yoke upon Him. He ain't going to take it clean off you, but He's going to help you. He'll help you carry that burden that you're struggling with. Amen?